Hi, and welcome back to The Green Room, a podcast presented by The Handshake Agency. Tiana Spita, your host here. I know many of you are back on the lockdown train and morale may be a tad low of late. Whether you are still in lockdown or you're just generally a bit over the state of the world, it's definitely a weird time all round right now. So I hope that this podcast can give you a moment of escape or perhaps it might just spice your day up while you're cleaning your house. Whatever you are up to, thank you for tuning in. Earlier in the week, The Green Room actually released a two-part special series specifically addressing the current pandemic situation, particularly in relation to the music industry. Essentially, we pulled together an incredible roundtable of panellists with artists, managers, promoters, publicists, and even the shadow and federal ministers for the arts dropped by to see where we're at as an industry right now. And also, perhaps most importantly, to also look into some possible ways this incredible industry may be able to claw its way back when this current insanity dies down. And ultimately as well, how important the future of Australian music truly is. So there's two extra bonus episodes for you if you are in the mood for more listening. But in regular Green Room Recap News, on last week's episode, I had the pleasure of spending some time with the phenomenal Jack Antonoff, on the brink of releasing a brand new album from his solo project, Bleachers. I am usually the first to say I am not big on emotions, but damn, Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night really hit me in the feels, and it is just another testament to the incredible creative might Jack wields on a daily basis. Plus, you may have also spied him just recently dropping that performance of him and Lord performing Solar Power on a stormy New York rooftop too. Nothing like a little bit of lightning to really set the mood. And while blustery New York rooftops may seem worlds away to many of us right now, my guest today is no stranger to reaping attention on the world stage. Whether you know him for his monster breakout hit Astronaut in the Ocean, or perhaps more recently with his new clip for the absolute bounce that is Say So, Masked Wolf, aka Harry Michael, is an absolute Aussie phenomenon turning his passion for music since a young age into an absolute force to be reckoned with in the hip-hop realms and beyond. And if Scoring the Mantle is having the highest listener growth on Spotify for the first part of this year, hello 27 million new listeners in this year alone, if that's not enough to showcase the world's love affair with this Sydney gent, his appearance on Jimmy Fallon earlier this year and his recent set as part of the Virtual Splendor XR Festival has cemented his legendary status. And it's probably safe to say this is only the start of a ballistic and dazzling journey. With a brand new single out in the world while also dealing with lockdown, today Masked Wolf stops by the green room to chat creating new tunes, live music memories and more. Well, Masked Wolf in the green room, Harry Michael, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you here today. I know we're living the lockdown life at the moment, but you're an extremely busy man, so I'm very, very grateful you make the time at the moment. No worries. Um, most most recently, I know you gifted the world a brand new single with Say So, and it's safe to say that it was having some pretty big shoes to fill following Astronaut, obviously, and more recently, Gra- Gravity Gliding. Mm-hmm. But I feel like those two songs are actually almost like the moodier cousins to this brand new song. It's such a bounce of a tune, but still with that signature masterful flavour. But underneath, obviously, that sunny disposition, there are a lot of heavy themes. Can you talk me through a bit about what inspired Say So? Um, I guess, like, it's always been a brand of me to have a hidden message 
in a song. Not maybe not a hidden message, but there's always a message in it. And um, for like anyone that's always asked, like I'll never go in and write a song with a topic already in mind. So I I hear a beat and I literally think of like a chorus or an intro verse, and then the topic comes from that. Like it's all literally created from thin air. And um, say so was just like it just came about, you know. If you say so, then you say so, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then it started like branching off. It's kind of like, you know, the stem of a tree, and then the branches come off from that, and then it just kind of like it makes its own topic rather than me making it. It's like very genuine. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it was just always about people saying that they're okay, but really they're not, and they just try and act like it's all good. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of us, and especially with what's going on at the moment, but you somehow managed to make this really catharsis, really cathartic song come out with such an incredible hook to it too. So you've managed to balance that out. But it does have a lot of that relatable gravity. And I feel like, do you find that catharsis in writing the songs? Like, does it trip you out to realise how much of a connection these tunes are having, not just, you know, within your circle of friends, like going beyond and into the world? I mean, you have transcended the local scene and well and truly made the world fall in love with you does it trip you out to kind of realize how much of a connection you're having everywhere at this point in your career um not not yet because like I haven't explored the world enough to feel the connection it's just I've still been in Australia I've still been in Sydney um in interstate you know so I haven't like it's you you think it's there but then it's like you haven't felt it personally and, and physically so I think once I like travel overseas um, I'll feel that actual connection and maybe what I've done a bit more. Absolutely and I feel like you have obviously been overseas in the past and it feels like something so foreign at the moment but hopefully not for much longer but is there a significant difference between how you're received if you're like jumping up on stage on Jimmy Fallon performing in America as opposed to being in Australia like have you noticed that significant shift in who's actually digging your tracks? Um, it's weird because I'm like, I don't get really phased by names. Um, I like, I try and treat everyone equally. You know what I mean? Like if it's Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Rogers from down the road, you know, like I give the same amount of honesty and the same amount of energy, but I mean, it was obviously weird doing it when you're in Australia and you can't be there in person like it's a different feel but I mean everything gets the same energy and gets the same effort from, from my end absolutely and I think what I like hearing about someone like you is having such a prolific adoration around the place but I don't believe there are any real accidents or overnight successes and I feel like anyone who's done anything creative would absolutely attest to that but I did read, and obviously you've spoken quite at length about how before Astronaut came out in the world, you very nearly gave up on music or very nearly gave up on this journey. And here you are like billions of streams and, you know, so, so much more to come. But was there that make or break moment that made you decide to give it one last push and keep at it? Um, I, I think I couldn't stop. Like, even if I said I was taking a break for, even if I said I was giving up, like I found myself coming back. Like it was just one of those things that I couldn't escape making music. So I don't think there would have ever been a part of me that stopped. Um, but I never wanted to be that person that was like, yeah, I tried and it just didn't work out. And these are my reasons why it didn't work out. And here's my list of excuses. I just wanted to be the person that said, yeah, like I made it. 
And that's the thing I think with anything creative, like you kind of can't not do it. I don't know if that's how you feel, but I like with anything I've done that's felt a little bit outside my reach or outside my grasp. Yeah. It doesn't feel at the time like you're ever going to get there, but you just you just keep doing it and you just because you have to, you can't not. And I think it's inspiring to know that everyone goes through that because I don't know, it can mm. feel like it is just you and it feels like you're kind of alone in this struggle and everyone else is just effortlessly creating and conjuring and all of that. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's not a nice thing that we all share, but it is really, really a bit of a realistic connection, I guess, as well. Yeah, I've always seen it as a 50-50, either you give up or you don't, um, and the ones that sort of make it never give up. So it's, 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 it's a very easy thing to say, but that's literally like what it is. Yeah, absolutely, and you are living proof of it, and I think it's incredible to just see how much you put into what you do. I mean, I was at an in conversation with you a couple of weeks back where you were just talking about like your constant writing and constantly just creating and conjuring. Like, do you find it just comes really naturally to you or do you painstakingly sit down and just try to have an output regardless of whether you're feeling particularly in the zone at that moment or not? No, it's all natural. Like I'll think of ideas in my head out of random at the most random time, or sometimes I'll just be in the studio and then it will like say so happened in 30 seconds, the chorus and just came randomly to my head. So it's, that's the whole point of music. I think it's creativity without knowing what that creativity is going to be. Yeah, hundred percent. And I was chatting with someone else before in a chat I did, and I was saying it's kind of like you're that conduit for it. Like even though you're putting in the hard work, and at the end of the day, like if you're constantly just sitting there and kind of being open to that creativity, it's incredible what can come out of it, and you can't predict it, which is even more exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's the best part of it. It's like what is going to happen, and you don't know. So that's what that's what music is creation from nothing, right? So. 100% and it's yeah it's, it's an awesome and very very fascinating and very perplexing thing all in one yeah, <laughs> it's got yeah. everything going for it for sure and back in the day I know like obviously you're sitting here with you know being a creative cauldron practically at this point but you were rocking a few pretty different day jobs to what you were doing now and Muso friends of mine always say you kind of know if you've quote unquote made it if music is your full-time job but what was that moment like quitting that nine to five grind and finally embracing Masterful full time? Um, it was obviously great, but it was very hard to adjust. My body was used to waking up 7, 8 a.m., getting ready for work for like a decade. So for me, it's like I still feel like I'm adjusting like uh, with the freedom of it all at some points and like not having a boss to answer to in a sense. Um so I'm still adjusting. I think it's going to take at least one to two years to properly adjust, to be honest, like mentally and physically. Um, but, yeah, obviously that moment was like, fuck, I don't have to work nine to fives anymore. Oh, yes. Oh, that moment, like you just almost want to have a snapshot of that just to look back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how much of that stuff carried over? Like how many skills were you able to actually bring over from your past life? Because like I worked weird, weird jobs back in the day, like customer service that I thought would never serve me. And yet it yeah. kind of did help me. Like it's weird that the stuff you don't really like doing does sometimes carry over. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was more on the business side of things. I think thinking on a business standpoint of making music and maybe like how I sell myself and how I sell the songs and how people listeners would perceive them once I've finished them and what's the strongest. So I think that's the only 
real benefit I've got is like sort of understanding the business side of things and how how people sort of react to what you create. Absolutely. Well, much, probably much better skills than me just learning how to talk underwater while I was trying to sell people stuff in a shop. Right. So yeah. you went up on me there. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Stick around after this short break. Mast Wolf chats school days, desert island albums, and what special occasion will mean his whole team can finally all get drunk together. Coming up after this. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. Now, I have an anecdote here I'd love to confirm with you. Um, I... I think I mentioned to you in passing at that in conversation, I actually go to a physio that went to school with you. So my physio Mitch has told me a story that may indicate that you were kind of destined for this lifestyle. Um, Apparently back in the day, there were some schoolyard rap battles that you just absolutely dominated. Is this correct? If this happened, I have no memory of them. (laughs) I'm literally being honest. Um, if he remembers that, that's crazy. I don't even remember doing rap battles at school. Maybe when I did. Was it, like, when was that moment that you kind of this journey, quote unquote, started? Then was there a moment? That I think it was like of- year year ten, year eleven. I started saying I was doing a bit of music, but I never really went around school. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Like it was never like that. Um, but yeah, it was towards the end of high school that I, I had like a small group of friends and like, I would maybe show some stuff to them. That was really bad. You know, like it was crap as hell. It was like heavily auto-tuned, just mucking around type stuff. And yeah, that's it. And what really, really kickstarted you wanting to do that? Like, were you just like that typical kid that was just listening to all that stuff in that era Uh, and that moment? I think I've always had a, like, I like a challenge and I give it, like, I'll give anything a go type attitude. Like, if it's a challenge related or hobby, like, I'll go, yeah, 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 let's, let's, let's try it out. Um, But I'm also like another type of person because if I know I, I hate it, then I'll be like, I'm definitely not doing it. Like, I'm stubborn um but for me it was just like there was this feeling like i should give it a go i mean that's that's you fall in love with it i guess and then from then on it's just like you're not giving it a go you want to do it yeah absolutely and what stuff were you listening to that really really like started this all as well i mean there are probably some of the obvious ones but like were you always into a little bit of everything or was it just always no i liked i liked like uh the songwriting of the beatles um but that was like later days like for me it was kanye and g unit especially g unit i was a massive g unit fan and um i guess i just fell into that american hip-hop realm after that so yeah yeah and i guess it's all come to this point where you've got your own style like it's unmistakably a masterful song when you do actually put it out there but You've created hundreds of songs and you put in thousands of hours creating these tunes. What dictates what does or doesn't make the cut in regards to what you're releasing? Like what how my many songs are theme. you? My man- so- management team. <laughs> I have zero sound uh, 
<laughs> I love that. But in that case, then, like, is there stuff that you fight them on? Like, are you like, this is the one? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I, if I think it's like really good, I'll go out of my way to maybe get a beat done for it. But, um, Usually I know if like 80% of the people we speak around are saying it's a it's a vibe and it's really good, then we put it out. But uh, if it's not, then we just sort of push it to the side. It's mostly like an 80-20 ratio, maybe 70-30. 70% of what I produce will get put on an album or a single. 30% will get left in the wherever work in progress folder. So, yeah. Uh, it's amazing just to think how much stuff you would have sitting on there. I feel like you probably put out about 20 albums in one year potentially at this point. I'm actually the opposite. I'm like quality. Yeah. So like two 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 songs in a week or two songs in two weeks for me and they're like really good is like I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Damn, I like that. That's awesome. And yeah, I guess with how much you have achieved like is there something still on a quote unquote bucket list in terms of an event or a tour or someone you'd love to collaborate with, or are you just kind of taking this journey one step at a time and just enjoying whatever comes out of it? I mean, there's a lot of people I'd, I'd love to work with, but uh, I don't know. I don't really want to put it myself in that category of like, Oh, I have to work with this person or it's a bu- like for me, a bucket list shouldn't be like who you want to work with should be more about, I guess, personal things. Like, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, rather than I need to work with this person is like, I want to achieve, you know, this personal goal. Um, for me, like maybe it would be, um, well, we've made a deal because myself and my producer, we don't drink, we don't get drunk. So we said, our goal is if we get another platinum record in America, we'll have a We'll get drunk one night all together as a group. So that's something on the bucket list for us. Um, but for me, okay. like, um, it's to honestly be happy, be healthy, and like do what's in my heart and whatever comes from that to our collabs, then it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of nicer. And I think it's a really healthy way to put it because otherwise, it's not that you're like pinning yourself to someone else's journey, but it kind of does truly make it your own. And I feel yeah. like that's something with you, like, to use a really, really bad cliche, like you're alone, it makes you a lone wolf in a really positive way as a creative. And I think it's a really healthy way to do it. So I'm yeah. on board. Okay. And also That's what, what alcohol will we be drinking? Just if we do achieve? Bourbon. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> and given you have kind of, you know, put yourself out there at a very interesting time in the music career, the music industry in general, like what are your thoughts on the current state of the Aussie hip-hop world, like as someone who's come into it, not, you know, obviously before the pandemic, but given everything going on as well, is it healthy? Is it supportive? I think, it, I think it's at its best point where it's at and where it's ever been, to be honest. But I'm interested to see who's next, who's going to be the next person that breaks. Um, so, yeah, that'll be... I think it will be a solo artist, obviously, but um, I'm interested to see because it went. It sort of went, I guess, hip hop wise. It went Kid Le- like one four Kid Leroy, then then me, um, and there's others. There's heaps of others, but like to really snap the market, I guess. Um, and then Tones and I, obviously, with Dance Monkey, but not hip hop. So. I mean, I think there'll be a, someone that just comes and now that Australia has their imprint, I guess, 
a bit more or the footprint on the on the the global map um i think we're accepted a bit more in the industry of music definitely and i think the awesome thing is the stuff just you know kind of start to get a little bit better than it is now there'll obviously be a bit more of a chance for some live performances and hopefully some festival bits and bobs as well potentially for you like is there something like what what is something like that you would actually be really excited about like do you do you enjoy like the smaller kind of shows and the more intimate settings or do you want to just like get out on a festival station unleashed i I do not like the intimate settings at all (laughs) um i like festivals or club i like club gigs because everyone's like a bit on the alcohol there to have fun and just listen to music and go you know dance to whatever um and then festivals after that so yeah no the small close-up settings are not my vibe yeah it's a little bit confronting just generally and I think I'm still confused when I'm standing like really close to people just in general at the moment so in a different respect I do get that so obviously very different setting and very different vibe being up with that see a crowd in front of you yeah yeah Now, given we're in lockdown still for the next little bit, this one is a hypothetical, but not really. I know you've spoken about some of the artists you were into back in the day, but let's get cliched and talk Desert Island album. What album would you take with you stranded on a desert island that you could just listen to over and over from start to finish? My beautiful duck twisted fantasy. I love it. I love you didn't even have to think about it too. It's perfect. Very easy answer. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. And why is it? What do you love most about it? I think it was like Kanye's peak, peak uh, creative era. And it's just so versatile, but still so fluent in the songs, like everything sort of connected. It's just my all-time favourite album. And just something that clicked with me. I listen to it like every day. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's good too that you still can like it because, you know, it shows that it is something special if it's transcended past. I've listened to things that are like listen to death and I don't want to listen to it ever again. So that's a very big positive. And, again, because we don't have a lot of live music, I don't want to take you back to your live performances. I want to take you to take me back to the first ever live show you went to as a punter. What was your first proper gig that you went to back in the day? 50 Cent. Oh, hell yes. You're so on brand all the time. I love it. Yeah, 50 Cent. Where? I was 19 at Sydney. Oh, yes. And yeah, did he good. did he show up? Did he? Yeah, he showed right? up. Yeah, he yeah, did well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's a little bit cooler than mine. Mine was um, when I was like 16 or something. I went and saw Coldplay because my brother bought me a ticket. So mm-hmm. not quite, you know, not quite as cool, but we've got to wrap what we did. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you pass with that. Thank God, yeah. We won't tell too many people. <laughs> um, and lastly, considering I have made you drop past the green room and hopefully there will be a lot more performances on the cards for you down the track as well as some new tunes, what is one essential must-have item that you want backstage in your green room when you're allowed to get back on the road? Is it weird if I say water? <laughs> It's I actually, I, I don't ask, I don't even, I barely drink. Like um, that stuff is for my my manager because he loves having a bit of a drink. So he's just like, yeah, cool. I'm just a very, I, I get like a bit anxious before performances. So like, I just like chilling out, having water and like, I hate being there four hours before because I, I'm just thinking about the performance. I can't think about anything else. So like my, my essential item, I actually like if there was an item as this necklace, like I always wear this necklace. 
So nice. Yep. That's always so a- water and the necklace, and water maybe and don't bother you before the show. We'll tell don't everyone just still keep you vague. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. How do you go? Like, do you, is it that sense of relief straight after it though? Like you yeah. back in on it after? Yeah. Yeah, straight as soon as I finish, it's like. I did well. It's that yeah, that weird nervous excitement, but I guess like it's probably what makes it even more of a special moment and gives you that I don't know, maybe it centers you. I feel like when I get yeah. that nerves, like really brings me into the moment. So Yeah. Yeah. Unnecessary true. evil, unfortunately. Yeah. But note yourself, water, that's a good one. And then water. when the when everything goes platinum, we'll be making sure some bourbon makes it on there as well for you. Done. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's awesome to chat to you today. Sadly, in lockdown, but hopefully it won't be too much longer. But congrats on all the incredible things you've got going on. And here's to the masked wolf taking over the world in the nice not to too see you again. future. You too. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Peace. Legend. If you haven't already copped the absolute earworm that is Masked Wolf's latest single say so, please do so immediately. And I out and out dare you not to get that chorus stuck running on a loop in your head for days afterwards. And there's also a brand new music video floating around for the clip too. To add a bit of fugitive fun to your day, you will know what that means when you actually watch it. A huge thank you to Masked Wolf for stopping by the green room today and definitely keep an eye out for some exciting adventures from this talented human in the not-too-distant future. Are you a green room fan? Or perhaps this might be your first time joining me. You know the drill? Either way, we're basically best friends already at this point. And friends share friends podcasts. Try saying that multiple times. Um, But if you do like what you're hearing... Leaving a review or liking or subscribing means we can all share the love and I can keep on talking to myself into a microphone to you while I'm sitting in an empty room and basically just keep this podcast going. As always, you can catch up on all previous episodes of The Green Room and a bunch of other awesome podcasts over at thepodcast.com.au. That's podcast plural. And you can also have a watch of Green Room episodes up on YouTube too by typing The Green Room Podcast with Tiana Spita into your browser of choice. And you can try to guess what time of day we've recorded by how translucent my skin is as the daylight disappears. Sending metaphorical hugs to everyone stuck in their homes. Please be extra kind to each other. It's an exhausting time and I know as much as no shoes and comfy pants is fun, it is a pretty stressful time as we all try to wait this one out. In the meantime, why not chuck on your favourite album in the living room and have an impromptu air guitar party? I know that's what I'll be doing right after this. I will not be taking videos, but, you know, if you want to, send me them or don't. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe. Catch you next time. Podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson providing research, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Truey. 